Hey listeners, before we get to your show, this is a blast from your past. Were you hanging around in the 90s watching Nickelodeon before you got too old for it and started smoking weed and doing drugs? Well, then you should know us. This is Danny Tamborelli and... And this is Michael C. Morona. We're here to ask you to check out our podcast, The Adventures of Danny and Michael. And here's our on-air producer, Jeremy, to tell us what you'll be hearing. You can hear things like minisodes, full episodes, nostalgia dumps, interviews with some of today's hottest comedians. That's right, Jeremy. All of those things and more. So check us out. The Adventures of Danny and Mike on the Seltzer Kings Network. You're now listening to The Bradshaw Boys, a podcast where three relatively grown men binge the iconic HBO series Sex and the City. So dust off those DVDs and grab yourself a white wine or even a cosmopolitan and settle in. Take it away, boys. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to an episode of The Pink Ladies with Kevin and Katie. This is what we're bringing to the table. If you're if you're into the Pink Lady Pod, you want enthusiasm? Yes. Uh you want positivity? Two people just talking about something that they just love deeply and feel really excited about. We, all we do we don't do a rating at the end because everything is five cosmos. Oh, it's just full five cosmos over here. I mean, let's talk about when I was watching the first half, I just was smiling so big. Like I think even during like when they like got to the Moulin Rouge and they were dancing, I think I like got some tears in my eyes because I was just like, man, I love dancing and I love theater and I just love performing Yeah, and performances and oh, and, so good. Yeah. This movie is awesome. This movie is so, um, I'm trying to think if there's been another movie that has had this, like this could, I don't want to talk out of turn, but I, I thought the greatest showman was like one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It wasn't my favorite. I I enjoyed some performances. Mm -hmm. I thought some people in it were really good. Yeah. But I was that became like a musical phenomenon. And I was like, this is not my favorite movie. I thought the music was catchy. Mm -hmm. It was fun. Mm, I will say, I'll tell you my favorite part about that movie. What? Uh, Because uh, what's his name? Who's he play? He plays. Uh, P.T. Barnum. Barnum. Yeah. P.T. Barnum was like found like freaks and misfits and then like just abuse them horribly. And then in the beginning. And so they make it totally positive, which is like, I guess you have to do that. But he sees like a disabled boy in the beginning and then he sees like a twinkle in his eye and he's like, Oh, and then later he makes a thing and it's like, it's played positively, but it's basically like that twinkle was money. He's like, Oh my gosh, I can make money off these freaks. And that's like, (laughs) have you ever seen that movie freaks? No. Oh, we should have watched that. when we did our movie club during quarantine. Okay. Um, it's like a very, very old black and white movie. And it has a bunch of like the very famous, like, you know, people from the like quote, freak shows. Mm. They're not freaks at all. Um, it is so, so, so good. You should watch it. I feel like you would okay. really enjoy it. I'm down. And they like it. I think like the, 
I don't know. There's like a lot of people that you like musicals then have been based on like sideshow, like yeah. those um, yeah, yeah. can join twins. Like the real people are in the movie. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, Nightmare Alley too. Ooh, yeah. That has a lot that has the same circus energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I kind of love about Moulin Rouge. It's got a bit of like a circus. Yeah. Bollywood theme in there with Paris. Like there's just, it's yeah. It's kind of like taking like five different things and, and mixing them all up. And it's like, this is going to be great. I know it's, um, yeah, it's like, it's, uh, it's like fantasy, um, like fantasy porn in a way, you know, that it's like, what if, this plus this plus this. Well, right. And I love that they kind of took this idea of then like, you know, this is what like then happened to the moon all in Rouge, yeah. which is not what happened, but yeah. it just, yeah. It like took this idea and like took it one step further, which is so fun. Here's a really cool thing that we can talk about. Where did this story come from? Well, the story of the Moulin Rouge is many, many, many things. Um, the first, which it's not totally this, but it is the musical, the first modern opera. Right. So La Boheme, La Boheme, which he actually directed, Baz Luhrmann directed it before this, before this. So I that's what, today. that's what got him going, mm-hmm, which I think then got him like, which I, again, it's like another idea about like consumption. It's just like, that yeah. was like a very like, Oh, if you're an artist in a garret. Yeah. Certainly have consumption. Yeah. Have you, have you seen, um, have you seen La Boheme? I have. Did you see his version? No. Okay. I wish. I saw it at the Met a few years ago because I saw the Magic Flute mm-hmm. and Magic Flute is fucking weird and sucks. I've never seen it. That's where. Oh, is that what that's from? I did not know that. Oh, that's funny. And when they started doing it, everyone was like, oh shit. Oh no. <laughs> we were doing it at the bar afterwards. Just that's like so funny. But that's so funny that I was like, oh, I know that, but yeah. I didn't know that's what it was from. Yeah. And it was like, let's go to the opera. We went for my friend's birthday and he's like, it'd be fun. And it was so fun, but it was definitely like, apparently the magic flute is like a, a metaphor for, um, what's that secret society that like all the presidents are in and stuff. Oh, the, uh, I know what you're talking about. I just like the, on the tip of my tongue. Not the Quakers. It's not Quakers. It's, it's, but it's like, um, it's whatever that secret society philosophy is. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what apparently it's like all a metaphor or a allegory for that. So it's weird as fuck. Yeah. Okay. La Boheme, on the other hand, I went and saw that cause I was like, what do I, how, how do I see an opera that I is good? I gotta go to another opera. Yeah. Went to see La Boheme and it's such like a modern story. Right. And it's just, it's what ended up rent being base, based right. off of. But it's like all these young uh, bohemians mm-hmm. and it was 1899. It's like that same time period. Same time. And it's like a love story and it's, um, you know, these people fall in love and one of them sick. And it's like very, very character driven, mm-hmm. great story. So this has a lot of La Boheme in it, for sure. We were also seeing that it is based on the myth of um, Eurydice and um, 
Orpheus. Oh, my mind blanked for a second, which if you're not familiar, um, you can go see Hades Town on Broadway. Not it's seen it. Heard it was great. Kevin, Heard it was oh awesome. Oh my gosh. I think you would love it. You haven't seen Book of Mormon. Aye, that's no. true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll go on the same night. We'll go. I'll right. No, see. you already said you were babysitting. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get Corey to babysit. <laughs> Corey, you're babysitting. Um, yeah, so it's kind of based on the, also on that. Um, if you're not familiar with that myth, um, Orpheus has to go down into hell to get Eurydice. Mm. And so that's kind of like reflected in the movie. So like, it's Moulin Rouge kind of like hell-ish. Yeah, like um, Christian is kind of going down into hell to like try to save Satine. Got you. And there's like an, a kind of a similar thing with Orpheus is supposed to be like this super gifted, like songwriter and singer. And Christian is, you know, touted as the same yeah. when he sings yeah. the hills are alive. The hills are alive. So he has, yeah, he has a magical voice. Right. Like Orpheus does. Okay. All right. So I thought that was interesting. I was like, oh, I did not know that. In and the DVD's audio commentary. Lerman revealed he also drew it from Greek tragedy. So that's one of those things that uh, I just saw a really good play the other day. And it was like such a Cain and Abel story. Oh, yeah. It was just two brothers, but they were like, uh, I don't know if it was set in New York, but they were like two black brothers that were like hustling to, and one got a job and it was like mm. back and forth. And I was talking afterwards. I was like, man, it's it's so awesome to see stuff that's not original in any way besides the execution of it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is just two brothers that ends in tragedy. Well, right. That's tale like as old as time. time. But it's like, well, you're during it. I wasn't just like, I've seen this story before. I was right. like, this is I'm swept away. And then afterwards I was like, oh, yeah, it's that. I mean, but how many things are Romeo and Juliet? Yeah. I mean, so many. Yeah. So many things are Shakespeare. So many things. Yeah. And this is, that's almost where, why, um, it's, it's like why it works that you're just like, oh yeah, you're doing, uh, you're taking from these like grand stories well, already. They are sticking around because yeah. they work. Yeah. They're so good. Um, I need to see, I need to read the Orpheus. I want to see Hades Town, but also. That'd be an interesting myth. Yeah, it's so good. Do we have any Hades Town fans out there? It's so good. I am. I love it. I love Hades Town. <laughs> Way down Hades Town. Um. All right. So let's see if there's any other gossip about this. Okay. I wonder who else. Um. I wonder who else was being considered. Well, I know Leonardo DiCaprio was being. Wow. Considered, but. And See, Ewan McGregor has a great voice. He really does. I don't know if Leo does. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and then a few years later. Great Gatsby. Great Gatsby. Which is also so good. So good. A lot of very similar style, but like less manic, but right. similar style. He just makes, again, he makes those parties just be like, yeah, how do I get into that world? Yeah. And that is, that's the same thing that you're, you're like, I wish I was at this uh, this place. And it's like, those parties don't exist. They do, but that, but that, I don't even know if that fully did exist. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah, I love that. Um, also our recognizable Orpheum is derived from Camille. So I think someone told me about Camille. It is okay. Sometimes called in English Camille. It's Alexander Dumas, which is, that's who wrote three musketeers. Right. Uh, it was an instant success. Uh, sending the stories. Blah, blah, blah. 
with female protagonists. So, um, the title character. Okay. I don't know. I should have, this is boring, but it's based on the story Camille too. I guess you'd have to go through it, but yeah, the courtesan, you know what? I wonder, this is maybe seems like a weird offshoot, but I don't think it is. Okay. I'm with how many people now could look at porn, but instead they sign up for OnlyFans and look at a naked girl and then exchange DMs to have like a personal connection with that person. So are you saying that that's like, that's like this day and ages that it's still like they are really fall in love, but she's like, my time is like my money. If you want my time. And I'm like, Oh, that's like the new digital version of that. Like it's not enough to just, uh, to just sleep with the prostitute. You also like, want to like want their like love. Right. And that's what OnlyFans is, is like, I'll message you and I'll talk to you. Right. And it's like that weird. Know. It's kind of interesting. You know, because yeah. I was like, because I forget, I guess I don't, I thought about that, that I was like, I don't, I, what is a courtesan? Is a courtesan just straight up a prostitute? I think so. It's like maybe a, a nicer a way of saying it. Okay. I'm not exactly sure. I mean, it's interesting. Well, when you think about like, Women didn't have a lot of choices mm-hmm. <laughs> if you were just kind of like not married and, and by not married, I mean, not able to support yourself financially. Yeah. Then I guess you just had to go do the oldest profession. Well, there's like a rap song that's like, I fell in love with a stripper and I'm like, that's Moulin Rouge. <laughs> the stripper. What is that? Is that the song? Yeah. But didn't yeah. they change it for the radio to I'm in love with the dancer? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, that's, still, that's, that's it's still happening. Yeah. Only they, no, the only that's thing what's, is interesting. Yeah. I, I, I guess it's just like, that's what I was saying. I was like, oh, this story is about like the dangers of falling in love with like, because there is still a thing that it's like, I guess you wouldn't get tuberculosis if she, I guess you probably get that from being in like dirty places. Right. Well, I think it's airborne. Okay. So, so are, are I, they saying like, Listen, at Laboam, you're going to get syphilis and tuberculosis. Probably. I mean, yeah. Christian is probably going to get it too. Yeah. Also, anytime, anytime, if if I'm on a date with you and I see you cough into a white napkin and there's a little bit of red. I'm out. I'm out. I don't want to see I've seen it enough see times. Where it goes. I've, I've read, I read an entire book. I'm not going to say what, what it is, but I read a book and... I was like so shocked when the, the character died at the end. I wept like I was so, and they're like, yeah, like, didn't you see that? Like he keeps on telling his son how he's like violently coughing into this thing. And then they always see the blood on the net. And I was like, like I missed that. I was like, so I'm, if it was a movie, maybe I would have caught it. It was a damn book. You won't miss it again. But yeah, they're always, people with tuberculosis are always coughing into white napkins. Oh, I know. Just get a red one. Yeah. Get a red one and, and one of those keep red it to your damn self. Like red lobster. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that's a great moment when she's like coughing into that. And then the mm-hmm. like costume lady is like, looks up and looks very pensive. Yeah. You just know. It's just like. Oh, yikes. Okay. Well. We got to go. We we covered a lot of ground here. Um, go. I'm going to look up online. I want to see if who else was considered for Nicole Kidman, but I'll do that while we walk. I know that um, Courtney Love was actually. Really? But then she obviously didn't do it, but yeah. she did allow them to use Smells Like Teen Spirit. 
Uh-huh. So I think at that point, I mean, obviously For, yeah. she was in charge of yeah, if his estate. His. But interestingly enough, that is not in the musical. Cause I was kind of, I was like very yeah, yeah, interested yeah. in like why some songs, yeah. you know, didn't make it. There was a whole New York times article about it. That was interesting. Um, the musical on Broadway, I mean, and I guess there's a musical with Kurt Cobain music. That's like, someone's working on cool so then she can't wait for that to come out and suck i know i was like oh okay what is this gonna be i'm not a huge mm. fan of the of nirvana well no <laughs> i i'm not a huge fan of like just the straight up jukebox yeah theme. yeah this is a twist on it this is a very good it's not often done well as well as this and this is so good well we got to go watch like a virgin and then right after that is just all plummets then it's about to get sad. This next one's going to be sad. We need some tissues. All right. Later. Later. Hi, this is Corey, and I'm going to read the summary from Moulin Rouge for Kevin and Katie's The Pink Ladies Podcast, the hottest new podcast. Ugh. I'm only doing this because um, they forgot to do it. And so this is like basically me bailing them out. All right, here we go. Let's get this done. Moulin Rouge, directed by Baz Luhrmann. A young Englishman in the Paris of 1899 becomes infatuated with Satine, a singer at the Moulin Rouge. However, she has been promised by the manager to a duke in return for funding his next production. As the young lovers meet in secret, Satine's wedding day draws closer, but she hides a fatal secret from both Christian and the duke. All right, now back to the pink ladies. Good Lord. Uh, I'm feeling a lot of feelings. It was just a story about love. A love that will live forever. Oh my gosh. I mean, we literally just turned it off, came downstairs. The the first thing that is coming to mind is how, um, just how, because of, uh, like, friendship like i've loved my dynamic with like Corey and john Mm -hmm. but even if we watched that we'd be like all right let's make some popcorn like we'd be like how big do you think uh how big do you think uh ziddler's dick is and then we (laughs) we've just like (laughs) and then by the time we talked we'd be in it and and afterwards first of all katie and i were i didn't cry at the end i cried during the reprise of Come What May. Oh, I was already, I was crying. And then I started crying when Toulouse fell. Yes. And I was like, oh, it's begun. But what the first thing that strikes me is just how they, the whole trick of that thing is like, it starts off a tragedy. It tells you it's going to be a tragedy. Right. And then you get everything and then it ends on the saddest note. I mean, you are swept up in just like this joy, this fanfare, this like slapstick fun. Ooh. But then I feel like we, cause we were like kind of talking and laughing. And then there came a point where we stopped talking and we both just really yeah. zeroed in and cried. <laughs> It's so good. Do you know what's so funny? Last episode, we weren't even trying. We were just like, it's so fun to fall in love. Yeah. And now we're like, oh, gosh. You know? It's a tough road to fall in love. Because you know that that's what, that's what Christian's saying like 20 years later to his kids. He's like, if you ever have a chance to fall in love. But it's like, that's the fucking... 
But isn't that just like, that's life. Like you can't feel all those. I mean, I'm not saying like we all have to lose a love to really experience life, but you can't feel those highs without those lows. And life is just so rich, but messy. It is. Oof. I haven't, I honestly have not. Cause it's like you date, break up, you meet people, you like, you're like, Oh, it didn't work out. Or like, um, but it is, it's funny whenever you like actually, cause you know, like Christian's like, he probably, he was dating back in England or wherever he right. was. He, he was, he's a good looking like writer guy. He's probably crushed some puss. I'm glad you phrased it that yeah. way. How do you say that in French? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, then it's like he meets the love of his life and this is, it's sort of like, uh, what made me think of it is like whenever, whenever like true love happens, like we talk about your and John's like meeting all the time. You guys are sweet. But it is like, it is, uh, like all romantic comedies and all movies and everything. It's always like the movie always ends. Like once the, once the will, they won't, they ends. And then in a good way it ends. And then the journey is like, all the human drama that we want to watch is like, how do you find those people and how does it happen? And then it, it can either end two ways, the way movies go. It's like they either break up right, or they live a life of happiness that won't necessarily be all happy, but will be that. And then there's, there's this story, which is way older, but that is like the ultimate tragedy that is like, yeah. And then it'll all work out and then they die. And then she dies in your arms. Yeah. As people are clapping on the other side of a curtain. Yeah. But it's like, that's kind of, sometimes I like stories like this because I'm like, oh, it's, I don't know. This is like a pretty sneaky way to get like a non-Hollywood ending in there because it's just copying off of like every opera, like right. every opera is ends with someone dying. Yeah. Or like Hamlet or like any Shakespeare. It's mm-hmm. like, um, well, that's what was going to happen. Like we knew, but you forget, but you, you don't forget, know. You are swept You totally up. don't know. Cause once there, and you wonder if like a doc, like a doctor could come in and just be like, like we got the medicine or something. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, she's going to die from the beginning. Yeah. Like my yeah. love is dead, but you just so easily forget. Yeah. And you're like, there's got to be a way. I know. I know. And it ends with him just sad at a, that was the other thing as like doing, like I realized that the end of now two of my shows, cause I changed the ending to my mm-hmm. new show I'm about to film and the end of both of my shows, the final story that is me talking about doing the show and one in 30 year old version is with my dad. And then in this one, it's about doing the show and running into someone. Yeah. And there is something that I'm always drawn to. And that I think is interesting that it's like, okay, the one thing that he gets out of this is like the only way he can find meaning in this craziness is by sharing Mm -hmm. the story with us, but also with his, and then he maybe wrote that he, for, it's going to be one of the great, right. Like, he becomes a writer. Yeah. And people are like, this is Proust or this is mm-hmm. that one of those stories from Mont Martin to do that. You got to live through something, you but gotta it, live through it fucking sucks. Yeah. Oh, I know. 
Oh, Christian. Oh, just that scream at the end. I kind of forgot that he does that. And I just was like, oh, my heart. Yeah. Oh, it just hurts. But it hurts so good. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just need a good movie cry. Oh, I just remember weeping watching that movie. I definitely cried. Grade. I think I cried and then I turned it on and watched again. And I was like, I'm feeling so much. I got to cry again. Come What May is such a good song. It's so good. It's, it's like just, a... And they are both just... They, A, have so much chemistry. And, like, they just... You just easily believe that they're in love mm-hmm. from the get-go. They both just are... Look very attracted to each other. You can just believe they're a journey mm-hmm. easily. Suddenly <sighs> my life doesn't seem such a waste. It all revolves around you. Guys, this is a singing podcast now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Next, Corey and um, John are going to do some singing. Yeah. Oh man. Well, let's go through, because the, the this is the other thing I noticed. And I remember when I watched it, the first, Elvis is like this too. Um, and I have to rewatch Great Gatsby, but his movies, like he just keeps the energy going. I think in a theater, it, has to be, uh, well, it's either you like it or you don't. Mm-hmm. I I like it because it's like, whatever. He knows well, it also how to, kind of feels like you're watching something on stage yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But I liked what you said when you were watching. You were like, how did he know this was going to work? Yeah. Like it was a lot of money to spend on something that... That it's like... Could have just been a mess. Well, one, one of the things that I thought of this second act that goes along with that is like one of the ways he knew it would work is cause he's like, you read the script. It's like, this is nuts. It's like, this is an opera. I've mm-hmm. done operas before. There's always like, right. and then, and then it's, they're just like, we don't get what you're talking about. He's like, just trust me. And they're like, okay, Baz just made, just, <laughs> he just said wackadoodle. Wackadoodle. La, la, la. They're like, oh yeah. <laughs> it works. Wackadoodle. Um, in, I mean, West Side Story is kind of the same way too. True. It's like a lot of like big, beautiful things happening. And then it all just goes. It's funny. Tragedy. And it's this and it's that. And it's then sweet. This, it's like hopeful. Mm-hmm. And then it all just falls apart. Well, this, we ended for the first episode right after they sing, do the elephant love, uh, medley. love medley. And right up to then there's not, I don't think there's a single scene. No, you pointed that out that like you finally get to a scene where they're in rehearsal. Yeah. And that's like the first time that there's, it's not like a musical yeah. number. They're just actors talking. There's no. <laughs> right. And I'm like, it's so abrasive. Cause it almost, it makes you feel like the first part of the movie is 10 minutes, but it was an, hour keeping that up one hour of just like and then the second act is all very slow in a in a good way patient and like Mm -hmm. and you're just and this is actually i just thought of this but literally the first act is like here are these characters and then the end of act one is like they fall in love and then after that we're just into like how will their love survive or not and it's all just like this slow, patient burn. I know. I mean, the last the last medley on stage, which we'll talk about, is like back to some wackiness, but mm. it really turns into like a totally different. That's movie. so true. I don't think I've ever thought about that. 
Okay, let's talk about what happens. All right. So the first thing that we get back is it says, I'm, I'm just looking at the song so we don't miss any, but Satinson sings Gorecki. What is that? Oh, is that when she sings like the, oh, that's I just her. should die yes. this very moment. What yes. is, oh, so that must be. It says, let's see what it is. It Gorecki? Says, it's a 1997 single by Lamb. I'm still learning about this music. I just assumed that that was written for the. Let me look it up. Because One Day I'll Fly Away. Is that a real song? Oh, let's play it. Hold on. Whoa, okay. If I should die this very moment. Lamb, Garecki. I didn't I know. No idea. All right, Garecki. That's crazy because I wonder. Let me. My one guess is that this is Australian. I could be wrong. Um, I don't think so. I don't know. The band Lamb, English electronic duo. Wow. Yeah. All right. We learned something new. Lamb. Okay. So she sings that. And then, um, we get into, uh, one of the best. (laughs) Great. It's really just the last good, the last laugh. Yes. It's the last laugh of the movie. Uh, what's he say? What's the, he says, um, the, <laughs> I gotta try to do just the wanting, I want to see what part you're going to Where's do. the, I gotta get the lyrics up so I could say it. Um, he says, damn it. What are the first lyrics? All right. She says, he says, um, just she, like a vert. Um, no, it no, doesn't no, go straight it into says, it. It's, um, hold on. He says, uh, cause it's. Ziddler who says you make a feel. He I'm just, trying to remember oh, here now he says, I can't. He says, you made it through the wilderness. Oh, yeah. There you go. You <laughs> made it through. You ma- <laughs> <laughs> that sounded so much like in the through part. <laughs> you made it through. I, so you're so right about how he just like oh fully gosh. commits to that character and it works. <laughs> Katie, it's that so was fun. so fun. <laughs> His, That's my musical theater degree. His voice. He says, didn't know how lost I was <laughs> until I found you. <laughs> then I was Pete. He does complete. He's so good at not singing good. Right. Right. It's so, so I wonder if he's a good singer. Well, he kind of sings, when he sings Show Must Go On, he is. That's true. And they have that harmony at the end of yeah. The Virgin that's very good. Oh, gosh, I love, I mean, that whole scene. And I said to Kevin while we were watching, I was like, you know, watching this as an adult now, I can like step back from the love story and really think about like how good Ziedler is and how good the Duke is. This Like scene, the comedic timing. They are full on like... Uh, three Stooges level goofball. It is so good. I mean, plus the like dancing waiters in the background. Yeah. And then even like when he like, he like runs towards like the, the camera, like the and he Duke just like does, stops and, and looks. stops and he's like, feels so good inside. <laughs> feels so good inside. Your Duke is very good. <laughs> like a virgin <laughs> when your heart beats close to mine. It's so good. I was beat. Incomplete. It's so fucking 
It's just so good. This is what I don't understand. How they knew it would work, unless you're taking what an opera needs in this moment. You're like, it's second act. We need a f- we need to go really funny because it's about to get. Well, right. I mean, I think a lot of, and not just operas, like just musical mm-hmm. things with music in general, like, and, and, and shows too, like kind of go through an arc. You're right. Like they need like that, like last really funny hoorah. We've introduced a little bit of drama, but yeah. we need to lighten it up because the Duke is about to get real dark. Yeah. And I mean, cause I was thinking about that too, with like, you know, the 11 o'clock number and it's just got all the, it's got all the hits. To those that don't know. West Side Story gets super dark and is really dark. And then they do the Officer Krupke scene mm-hmm. in the second act, like right before it it's about to go nuts. But in the movie version, they, they put it, it way earlier because it's like, it's a different, it's kind of there to like, everyone sat down and I don't know. It's like, it's a different thing than the stage version, but it's almost too wacky to have in the... I agree. Like I liked where it was moved Yeah, too, because it kind of takes you out of the yeah. drama. And this like remind, it reminded me of that because it's like they can get away with being as goofy as possible right? because the Duke's about to like R her, Sabine, Satine. Yeah. He yeah. does try or try to, to R her, which is not... Thank, which is, go- thank goodness Chocolat comes in. Okay. So... <laughs> They say, so they sing like a virgin and then, and then I wanna, we okay. have to, we have to move to it and then we'll do come on May. But so then they sing Roxanne, which another cool thing is, oh, we'll just say it and then go back to it. But basically Satine is about to get raped by the Duke. Yeah. And, and there's one black guy in the whole movie and, and he like has this great little moment. I mean, he's the one that saved her from when she getting fell. Raped, yeah. Well, when she fell, oh, he, he catches her. I yes. think they're best friends. And, but then he also like, just kind of like makes eye contact during Roxanne and is like, I'm going to go. She's going to need me. And he like comes in like, while I'm glad we're explaining this. Cause I'm afraid that everyone thought that I was just calling him. That. No, no, no. <laughs> that's not what happened. And so he see, he's like, I got to go. I got to go like, check this out and make sure she's okay. And so when the Duke is like about to rape her, he comes in and like punches the Duke. Yeah. But then when he brings her back to Christian, Christian's like, go get her stuff. And he, he's like, looks at the, uh, the man and he's like, okay, chocolate. Yeah. You must go. The, and we both turned to each other like, and we were like, it's his name. Chocolate. The only that black character in all of Moulin Rouge is named chocolate. And we were like, did, <laughs> did like you and McGregor have like any reservations about <laughs> saying that? Like, was he like, I don't know. This is. I could just imagine Baz Luhrmann. He's he's like, and this character's name is Brian. Wait, <laughs> no, <laughs> shock a lot. <laughs> and people were like, why? And he's I like, mean- cause he, cause he's black. Because he's black. That's perfect. <laughs> we, were, we were so deep into the into the drama, and we both oh, just like man. heads whipped, and we're like, chocolate. Okay. So the one black character's name is Chocolate. <laughs> so but that's a problem. He's always there to save. He does. He's doing a great job. Yeah. <laughs> and then he does at the end when she dies, he takes his hat off. I yeah. Think they have a deeper story than we know. It It is actually a good, I mean, that's all hilarious, but there is like a good, uh, just like 
he's there. There's like way more story mm-hmm. to be told with that character, right. which is, which is cool. Cause it's like, you don't really learn much about Satine's life besides no. the fact that she's, and that was kind of like a cool intro into that. Right. Okay. So we so, have, so before that she says, she tells, um, she's got to go make the Duke happy. So right. she's like, I got to fuck the Duke. Well, because the Duke is onto them. Yes. Because the like, next up dancer, I guess. Well, okay. We, we skipped ahead to talk about chocolate. Come what may is next. Oh, right. 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 After like a virgin, then it, that's where it's like, she, why isn't Satine with me? And, uh, Zidler is like, yo, she is going to confess because she wants to be pure for your love. And he's like, Oh, wonderful. Then, wonderful. Oh, wonderful. Then they sing come what may, which I believe is the only original song and think about the pressure. Let's see. Is the song composed by, it was in, whoa, you're going to love this. I can't wait. Come what may is a song. I just song heard John com- laugh from the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> you want to know why? Because he, he's laughing because he's like, man, if I was on that pod, this is when Corey and I would be like, he's, don't he's, give a shit. These two dorks are just talking about things they love. This is cool. Come what may is a song composed by David Berwald and Kevin Gilbert originally intended for Romeo and Juliet. <gasps> However, it okay. Was- John's still laughing. <laughs> However, it was first heard publicly and is best known for the romantic theme. So they wrote it for, um, the song takes its title from a phrase that originates from Macbeth. Oh, I love that. Wow. I did not know. The version of the song on the soundtrack album differs slightly from the version heard in the film. The lyrics, every day I love you more and more. Listen to my heart. Can you hear it sing? Telling me to give you a... Telling me to give you, you everything. everything. Can we hear the music? Blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah. So that's so cool that he made it for um, Romeo and Romeo Juliet. Juliet. I love that. That is a great fact. This is another fact about Romeo and Juliet. There's a song on Radiohead's OK Computer mm-hmm. called Exit Music for a Film. Yeah. And it was a song that he submitted to Baz Luhrmann for Romeo and Juliet. It was supposed to be the credits song. Oh, interesting. They didn't use it. They used a different Radiohead song. So it's on OK Computer and it's called Exit Music for Film. I love that he just named it that. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. So um, that's interesting. One of the thing. Okay. So Come What May is just such a... Imagine being having to... The pressure of saying, like, we have to write the, a great love song. Right. Amongst all these other, I mean, like you said in the yeah. other episode, like literally the music of love songs. Yes. Of so, our, of all of music. So popular music. Yeah. Elton John, the Beatles, like 20 of the most beautiful things said about love. And it's like, Oh, we need like, what else can we, when say? you're writing the script, it's just like, and then we need the, the great love song, but they do it. But it works. I, it's such a great, great scene. Ah. And I just love in musicals when songs come back around and have like, I mean, I yeah. guess it's the meaning is very similar, but have just like a slightly different meaning. Ah, oh, such good. I also like that. I mean, it is, there are some trite love songs where it's just like, 
the moment I saw you, I was in love. Do you know that one? No, I don't know. I wrote that one just now. (laughs) I don't know that trite love song. I thought you were beautiful. Gave you my heart. Um, It's a hit. (laughs) No, but I feel like this song has actually like more depth than a lot of... You love this song. I really do. Well, because it's like, it's not about the feeling. It's kind of about the initial feeling, but then it's more about the commitment and like their the future of their relationship which makes it more even tragic within the film that it's not like the moment i saw you i loved you and that's it it's like we're making this it's like a it's like an intense marriage yeah like we're committed to each other's song and i think sing this to let each other know yeah when we're having when i'm having to sleep with someone else yeah man they're dealing with some big problems yeah i you have to sing this while i get railed by the duke Oh boy. And he's like, Something tells oh, me he doesn't. Oh my word. I don't That's think he the Duke coming. <laughs> oh heavens. Well, I even thought that during the, like when he gets angry, I was like, oh, Satine, it might've been better to just like go ahead and have sex with him because I have a feeling it would just be very like, oh, and then he'd be done and it'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. But he's now like, he's angry. Yeah. And like, I think he's hurting you. Yeah. I don't know. Well, they sing come what may. So, so beautiful. Then Roxanne, oh. the guy who is the silly guy who the Argentinian who falls through the roof, who sets this entire story into motion. He is there and he, he is kind of a dork at first. Like he just falls asleep and he's like, so comic relief. And he, he sings Roxanne and he's a he, that performance is just so good. You just get to see such a different side. I mean, that whole, again, like you and I were talking mm-hmm. and we just shut up and we yeah. both like, I feel like leaned a little closer to the TV, mm-hmm. just the cuts between that and the scene in the Gothic tower. And you're so right about him. Like he just like gets to show this whole other side yeah. of him. And then again, like it shows into this you don't learn a lot about the people in the Moulin Rouge, but you like mm-hmm. kind of get to see into their world a little bit, like these relationships that have formed, like he's in a relationship with, with bitch lady. Yeah. And like, clearly it's not going well, but yeah. you're just like, Oh, I want to know more about that. That was just the one, the one detail that, uh, that I forgot, which is one of the Moulin Rouge ladies is kind of jealous of Satine probably. Yes. And she whispers in the Duke's ear, like, why would he, why would she go for the penniless sitar player or the penniless writer? Oops. I mean, sitar player. Yeah. She like, and that's when. Let's her know. The Duke. Or lets him know. Yeah. Just realizes like, she doesn't really love you. And then and, he wants to change the ending. Yeah. And he's like, I want to change the ending. And that's where he's like, I need a night with her. Uh, so we, then we find ourselves in, in, in the, the Gothic tower. In the Gothic tower. And during Roxanne, it cuts back and forth between like a amazing tango. So you're taking this police song, oh, um, so which is, I don't know if people know, but Roxanne is the police. It's Sting's band and turn it into this amazing tango. And then, um, and then during that, at the end, uh, the Duke is about to like rape Satine, but thank God for, for chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> thank God for chocolate. Oh, chocolate comes in. is just like, what du- did that man think about that? He was like, I have a question. Any chance, you know, 
I could be named Pierre. <laughs> Just anything else. Pierre, you know, Jacques. He's like, no, you're going to be chocolate. <laughs> Why? Well, your skin's black, so you're going to be chocolate. Don't you get it? It just doesn't hold. It's so, I mean. So bad. Whenever there's stuff that's that hilariously funny, like just off the mark, it just, it makes me laugh so hard. Oh boy. But you know what? That character, he saves He crushes it and he's beautiful. He's he a brings, beautiful character of friendship. Yeah. He brings the teen back. They decide they're going to run away together. Yes. They're like, forget the show. Let's go. So Romeo then, and Juliet. Yeah. They're like, it doesn't matter. We got to get out of here. So Satine goes back to her dressing room to pack. She's packing up all her jewelry. Then here comes Zidler. Zidler, he has, I sympathize with him. He's actually an interesting character towards the end. Cause you're like, he kind of manipulates all these women into like a mm-hmm. life of, you know, kind of brothel life. But he also has a good heart, but he also like... But I think he maybe also gives them a place. Like, I think they're maybe going to be doing it regardless. And maybe that's like the wrong way to look at it. But I think like there were just, you know, again, like we were talking about, there's just like not a lot of options for women yeah. for women at all. Yeah. And so I just think these women were going to have to sell their bodies yeah. regardless. And so it gave them like... A little more of a space, but you're right. He definitely is manipulating them. I mean, he, I mean, even like when Satine is leaving the room and he, and she's like, is this another trick? Like he clearly like is in control. Yeah. Yeah. But, but he also knows like the Duke has said, if you, if Christian doesn't leave Satine alone, I'm going to have him killed. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, if you have to, you have to tell him to leave. You have to to save his life. Mm-hmm. And that's what she does. She goes to him and she's like, she has on her little veil and everything. And she's just like, listen. She's a great actress. Here's, here's the deal. You got to get out of here. Okay. So you you got to scram. To save him. And then we have the show must go on. The show must go on. Ziedler, Satine, and the Moulin Rouge stagehands. And ladies and gentlemen, Ziedler, Satine, and the Moulin Rouge stage Hanson. <laughs> Can I tell you a fun fact? Yes. I, well, I was telling Kevin while we were watching, like, I feel like that song really like resonated with me as someone that was like, I think I'll be an actor. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's, uh, that's just life. Like yeah. you got to choose between love or, or being on the stage. And I think I definitely, I, I like had a memory that came up while we were watching and I saved it. Um, I think I definitely had that one lyric, the like, um, in my, inside my heart is breaking, my makeup may be flaking, but my smile still stays on. I definitely had that on my AOL instant messenger. Stop. <laughs> oh my gosh. What was your, what was your aim name? Gap girl. KY. Cause you like gap. I loved the gap. Gap and you were from Kentucky. And I was from Kentucky. What was yours? Uh, do you know what mine is? No. Oh, that's funny. Is it in... Mine was, mine was loud, blonde, bald kid. I did know that. Yeah. But before that, it was, uh, it was, <laughs> it was pimpalicious. No, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. I was a regular <laughs> ziddler. 
Pimpalicious. Yeah. And I got in trouble from some my parents thought they're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> That's fair. I was like, I'm sorry. I thought it was because I think back then, like we like threw the word around. We're like, we're like, man, that's pimp. Like, I think that. No, I think you're right. Like pimp was a little more of like an adjective. And I, I think it was like right when like the outfits came out, there were like the 70s pimp outfit was like. People, yeah. were, people were doing that like as jokes all the time. It was like talking about pimps way more. Pimps aren't funny. Yeah, not as funny, you know. I, and and that's and that's why I changed it. <laughs> you were like, I I know there's gonna come a time where I just need to be really, you know, more yeah. aware of what I say, and <laughs> I, I don't want to be hurtful or. I mean, it's just so funny. Yeah, that. I, but I mean, your parents were right. I mean, like, that too. I'd be like, what is like, this? How do you know me? about that? <laughs> So the show must go on is Ziedler's chance to tell her. It's basically like, I get it. You're in love. Like we got other shit to deal with. And also listen, he's in real estate. He's like, he's a producer. He signed, he signed he's the deed. I get why he's under stress, but it is, it is cool because that's another character like the Duke in the first half is like goofball city. Mm -hmm. And his performance in this is like, awesome. Well, I found myself kind of wondering about his love life and his backstory. And uh, like, you, you know, how many, this would be an interesting detail. Like if there was a stage version, if there was like even one scene or one way, I feel like, you know, that Ziedler has been in love with like five Satines over the years. Right. And they've left him for rich businessmen. See, I was thinking that Ziedler's gay. Well, he turned gay after that. <laughs> after so many satines that left. That works. But even no, even um, even if he was gay, he was like in love with some chorus boys that then left him or right, something. Right, right. For that like rich. He's totally. An, he's an old queen who like has had experienced heartbreak. Oh, for sure. And now he's sure. committed to. He's like, I have to do this, and now I've signed the deed. Yeah. Away. Yeah. Because isn't Ziedler real? He's who it was like him and someone else that, I, I bet that so. opened the Moulin Rouge. I, I, I mean, bet. I don't know if he was like in the show necessarily, yeah. but I, I think he's a real character. We, he, no, no, no. He wrote, um, he wrote the show, uh, spectacular, spectacular. Never was in the vernacular. <laughs> <laughs> Can describe this great event. He'll be down with Hunderment. All right. Then we go into, we're going to India. It becomes, it becomes full on Bollywood, which I guess was like one of the original inspirations mm -hmm. for it was like, he had directed a Bollywood musical and was like, I want to bring this. This is before Slumdog. Cause Bollywood kind of really came into the mainstream. Yeah. With a couple different things, but yeah. you're right. It was before. And also RK or AK AR Shaman or AR Raman. He's the guy that wrote the music for Slumdog. Oh, okay. Um, but he did a musical that ended up coming to Broadway that was like a big yes. Bollywood thing. Oh, you're right. I didn't see that. And I feel like I now we're that. accustomed to Bollywood, but like... It was kind of new then yeah. to us. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because I forgot that whole like aspect of it, mm -hmm. but it's just another interesting pastiche to, to be like, how did he know this would work? And then become a thing that... Yeah. Became kind of like more mainstream. Mm -hmm. I mean, mainstream here. It was, it, it's like. Well, right, right, yeah. right. Um, the, so there, so where are we? He, 
we're in the show. They're but right singing. before that, yeah, yeah. Ewan McGregor is like, I'm out of here, heartbroken. She's like, get the fuck out. But he decides he has to go back to the Moulin Rouge one last time. One he last sells time. his typewriter. He's got some cash. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's ready. So how do you get it back? I wondered that when he was typing. I was like, oh, this fucking gosh. plot hole. How did he get another time? I think he asked Ziedler. He's like, can I have some money? My fucking bitch. Ziedler's like, I don't have any money. I don't have any money either. I just lost the Moulin Rouge. <laughs> exactly. And my sparkling diamond. And my, and is that what her name is? The sparkling diamond? Mm -hmm. the, the sparkling diamond. So he goes back. He's pissed. He thought, he claimed that jealousy would not affect him. And I get it that it's not the jealousy he was talking about, but. He's pretty jealous. He's pretty jealous. He goes back. And I remembered this from when I was, he's like following her around and he's going to get shot by the Duke's, uh, the Duke's person. And it's all sh perfect climax show within a show backstage drama on stage, having to keep it together. Love it. Stumbles onto the stage. Um, and Ziedler is playing the, the, not he's Emperor, the, Ma the Maharaja. Maharaja. Yeah. And, Saves the show. He saves the show. All of a sudden, Ewan McGregor, Christian, and Satine stumble onto the stage. And everyone's like, oh. And they're having to just like kind of work it out. He like throws her down. He throws money at her. He says, I've paid my whore. I've, that's what I remember from oh. when I was a kid. I've paid my whole. You were like, oh, that's so racy. Yes. And it's so sad because it's like she loves him. I know. So she can't. No, I actually, I have a joke about dramatic irony in my show and now I notice it a lot. Yeah. Um, which is when uh, we, the audience, know something that the character doesn't know. Mm -hmm. And it's always so good. It's like he doesn't know that she loves him. So he's just That's acting right. out and you feel so much for him that you're like, <sighs> she loves you. He's walking out heartbroken and and she needs to keep up her... To keep him alive. I know. She's got to just keep working. She's literally just in the worst position. And she chooses love overall. And she says, Come what may. And he just stops. His feet stop. He's not leaving yet. Come what may. And he slowly turns around to say, I know what the song represents. Come what may. Wait, I think I'm singing his part. Yeah, it was, it was awesome though. It was beautiful. Thanks, thanks, thanks. He's, they start walking back. Oh, it's just so good. And then everybody on stage just goes wild. Do you know, you know what also I realized that's kind of cool is that their relationship was complete secret. And so in the most dramatic moment, that's like, it wasn't just her being like, I love you. It's like so risky that it's like, we're telling everyone right putting now. Putting it out there. Yeah. So I think she maybe needed to do that to like yeah. show him like, I'm, I'm in this, I'm committed. Yeah. I'm not going to be with the Duke. Yeah. I'm not going to be with the Duke. The Duke is so fucking pissed. He walks back on stage and then they just start singing Come What May. Perfect callback. It's great. They laid the groundwork. Now it's like everything you want it to be. And then uh, Toulouse Lautrec falls to the ground from the the rafters. Yeah. 
And then it's like chaos on stage. People are looking for their guns to kill Ewan McGregor. The Bohemians decide they're going to sing. They're going to sing. Everyone, the the cor- the orchestra knows all of the music that for everyone does. It's a musical, Kevin. It's awesome. Everybody just, you know, because in a musical... <sighs> You just, when you, when your emotions are so heightened, you just can't speak anymore. You have to sing. And then when you just can't sing anymore, you have to dance. It's, it's true. It's so true. And they all, they all know their marks. I know. They're, and they all know those lifts. They know the They're lifts. They're like lifting Satine and Christian. Their, their love is on stage for all to see. They're crushing it. Um, the guy with the gun who's trying to kill, uh, um, uh, Christian, the gun gets knocked out. It goes into the audience as the Duke is like, fuck this. I'm out. He's walking. Then there's a gun behind and he grabs the gun. He's coming up. He's going to kill Christian. And guess who comes up, pops him in the face. Siedler. Siedler. No, you will not hurt <laughs> him at all. He pops him in the face. That's Santa Claus. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was. It wasn't Ziedler. It was a brand new character I created. Um, and then the gun goes out of the Moulin Rouge through the sky, hunt, like fifteen miles, hits the hits Eiffel, Tower, Eiffel Tower, and um, somebody else picks it up. They finish the musical. Everyone is clapping. Love has been revealed, celebrated. A story has been told. And now. And then Satine dies in uh, Christian's arms on the stage. On the other side, everyone is clapping. Oh, it's a great shot. And she. With all those like rose petals on the mm -hmm. ground. Like, I mean, it's just so beautiful. Because she also got to live her dream as like being a great actress. Being a real. Right. She, she did get it all. She got love. And her dream. Listen, what, and what, what does the last, she says, promise me. She says, you'll, uh, do they sing come what may when she's nine? No, I think that she just says like, you've got to go on. Yeah. And like that, that he will write her, their story. So yeah. then they'll always be together. Yeah. And, uh, and then the, yeah, it ends. The final shot is just going through Paris and then it goes back into his room. There's notes everywhere and he's just typing on his typewriter. A year later. A year later, Toulouse Toulouse Lautrec says, um, "says There was a boy, a very strange, enchanted boy." And then it goes in, and he says, "Wait, Kevin." Yes. Oh, say, sorry. I just I read this thing today that I guess there was going to be a different song. Instead of that, because Nature Boy is that song's Nature Boy name, yes. right? I guess it was supposed to be a Cat Stevens song. Really? Yeah. And and then it zooms in. It zooms <laughs> in at the very very end. It says, "Ooh, baby, baby, it's a wild world." <laughs> Sometimes I fall in love with a with a nice girl. Could have been very different. I don't, just, <laughs> I'm sorry to ruin like the very. You're talking about the very last oh moment. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I wonder what song it was supposed to be. Let me see if I can find it. Oh wait, I think my phone's. Ooh, baby, baby, it's a wild world. Do you know that song? I know it like a little bit. I feel like that's all I know. I mean, they would have changed whatever song it would have been. They would have, it wouldn't have been that and they would have changed it, but it, it is funny if it would have been that. So Nature Boy is a David, 
Well, David Bowie sings it. Oh, it's it's Nat King Cole. It's a Cole. very old song. It's like an old jazz song. Nature Boy, the Nat King Cole. I swear song. it was a Cat Stevens. Now I want to look it up. I think we, my we phone's find upstairs. It. Yeah, so in the end, I I wanted to find exactly what he wrote, um, which is annoying. But he basically just says, like, this was a love story. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we don't have as much in modern storytelling is, like, you know, I guess to... I Titan I guess Titanic is one. Titanic is one hundred percent this story. Not yeah. this story, but it's like But it's yeah, they they like finally get together. And then she dies. And then what does she do? She she tells, tells the story. story and like goes on and lives and does yeah. all the things that he that they yeah. like talk about doing together. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to watch Titanic. Dude, how funny how funny it is, is it that at one point there was like ten minutes she's like and then, like, they show it so you don't see the awkward part, but this is an old lady with, like, 12, sub, 12 like, uh, marine, su submarine people. Right. And she's like, and I took my clothes off <laughs> and he drew me naked. We went down into one of the empty Model T's and he <laughs> fucked right. the absolute shit out of me. <laughs> there was fog inside the Model T. I remember I putting put my, my hand <laughs> and the fog that we were so filled with fog from just a heavy breathing because I had already come 12 times <laughs> and my hand comes down and you could see the little streaks. And I'm telling you, after that, we we had s some romps on the, but that was, he fucked me harder than I've ever been fucked. <laughs> so, and the granddaughter's just like... Oh, I did, I did not need to hear that. Like, what? <laughs> so anyways, it was a beautiful necklace. And then... <laughs> I love that that's where your brain went. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, that's funny. That's a good joke. Yeah. Um, but it's the same, if there's a, tra like, if there's a tragic love story, it seems like the point is like, because everyone's, because everyone's experienced heartbreak, but I guess yes. the point of these stories is like, if you experience heartbreak, let's explain the greatest version of heartbreak that could ever be experienced. And then everyone can think about their own heartbreak. Yeah. You know? I agree. And then it's like the person telling about it, it's like, all right. I wrote this. Story. I'm still glad I'm still I here. chose love. Yeah. Well, I think that's what he went there intending to do. He yeah. wanted to fall in love and he certainly did and yeah. had a wild adventure. That became a writer. And then, you know, what the Marvel movies at the very end of the Marvel movies, there's um, like a little extra scene. Yeah. What's the extra scene? At the the extra scene is him looking down. And he's like, oh, shit, I have syphilis, too. <laughs> oh, and Toulouse Lautrec is like, we Welcome. don't, we don't, have, <laughs> what's it called? We don't have penicillin. We don't have penicillin. It hasn't been invented yet. Oh, that's so sad. Uh, no, he's fine. It's a beautiful, it's such a good movie. It's, please go watch it. It's so good. It really just holds up. We felt a lot of feelings and I just, I wanted to rewatch, like after the musical scenes, I could have just rewound and watched them all over again and like found new things it's, every time. Yeah, it's, um, it's one of the great, Modern love stories mm -hmm. for our day. I think it's like, it's one of them. 
It's going to, I feel like this movie will be around for a long time because there's truly nothing like it. Right. You can't be like, if you like Moulin Rouge, watch this movie. Well, right. Like what is, there's nowhere to go for yeah. Moulin Rouge. Yeah. And you're right. Like Greatest Showman sort of tried, but no, it's no Moulin Rouge. It's no Moulin Rouge. Mm. All right. Tell me if you've heard this one. This is the original. Do you know what it is? It's the Children of the Revolution. So good. Dun, 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 dun. Well, um, everybody, I hope you enjoyed Katie and I pontificating on love. Thanks for letting us, you know, just hang out, be pink, pink ladies, talk about musicals. It's our, it's really a great joy. Uh, we have a great time. This was like a happy accident with Greece, and then we decided to do it again. Uh, please let us know if there's another musical you want Katie yeah. and I to watch. We're um, very open to ideas and suggestions. Let us know. This is like, I know it's like a podcast from the podcast, but Katie and I love doing it. And if you're enjoying it, give us feedback because we get so much feedback with Bradshaw Boys. Let us know. And with like Sex in the City stuff that we know what you like. So, uh, so please... This will probably be on Patreon. If you're a patron, comment below, ask us questions, say what you think, what you liked and everything. We had so much fun and uh, we love you. And go watch Moulin Rouge. Get oh. caught up in the joy. Just have, you know, drink some wine and then have some tissues there. Yeah. I just, I felt a little wrecked yeah. at the end of it, but in like the best way. Mm. There was a moon. A very strange. Enchanted <laughs> Very far. <laughs> it's, oh gosh. I mean, tomorrow, Mickey, I hope you're ready to listen to Moulin Rouge while we eat breakfast. I'm going to listen to Come Out May on my city bike ride home. Oh, that's just so epic. Yeah. Just, just biking through Brooklyn, crying. Your tears are freezing. Yeah. It's probably very cold now. All right, Katie. All right. This has been an episode of The Pink Ladies. The Pink Ladies. Bye. The Bradshaw Boys stars Corey Cabin, Kevin James Doyle, and John Sieber. The show is produced by me, Jeremy Balin, and narrated by Katie Sieber. This podcast is part of the Seltzer Kings Network. Check out all their great podcasts at seltzerkings.com. You can find the boys on their socials at The Bradshaw Boys or on their website at bradshawboys.com. And as always, if you see them in the street, tip your glass. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.